Welcome to Old Fashioned Finance, the podcast that mixes cocktails and high finance. I'm your host, Caleb Frankert, and today I'm joined by no one. I'm all here by myself. Yes, that's right. I'm flying solo today, folks. (laughs) Uh, So we'll see. This could be a great episode or it could be an absolute train wreck, Uh, but uh, time will tell. So uh, we are taking a brief uh, pause from our series that we just started last week the uh, How to Teach Your Kids About Money series, which we're really excited about. Had a lot of fun recording that first episode, and uh, we're all geared up to record the second episode today. But our guests, Owen and Bernadette, were very, very busy. Uh, so I, I couldn't get the talent book today, quite frankly. Uh, the, uh, the schedules were too busy. Everybody's too busy for me today. So it's just me, a microphone, and a drink. But I think I'm going to have fun. And that's all that really matters is that I have fun. <laughs> so... Going to get it started again. Going to just take a brief pause from the uh, teaching your kids about money topic. And we're going to go uh, into a, a little bit different topic today regarding, well, I'm just going to say keeping up with the Joneses. So I don't know who the Joneses are, but we talk about them quite a bit. And we're going to talk about the perils of keeping up with the Joneses, why we do it, what it means, who they are anyway, and what, what do the Joneses really look like after all? Uh, what does their financial situation look like? As always, I am alone, uh, but I, we will have we. I say we because I mean me and the listener. We're going to have a cocktail today. So today, I tried to think of a pretty bougie drink that we could have on the podcast here and uh, opted to go with the bee's knees because why not it's the bee's knees right we'll see uh not sure if it is or isn't but we're gonna try it anyway this is a prohibition era cocktail uh this was pretty popular back in the 1920s with the great gatsby types the flapper girls the dancing the roaring 20s so Pretty bougie, Prohibition-style drink. Uh, We'll see. I have not tried this yet. I just mixed one up, and, uh, well, I'll get into it here. Looking at the bee's knees here, we've got a couple of ingredients that, uh, yeah, I'm not sure how these are going to play real well together, um, but we're going to try it. So uh, if you're mixing up at home with me today and uh, you want to sample a cocktail while you're listening to this podcast, if you haven't shut it off already, uh, what you're going to want to round up is two ounces of gin. I used a London Dry Gin three quarters of an ounce of fresh squeezed lemon juice. And with all of these cocktails, I always emphasize that fresh squeezed is definitely the way to go. Uh, you can get the sweetened uh, prepackaged stuff. It just is not the same. So uh, fresh squeezed lemon juice and a half of an ounce of honey syrup. Okay, so this is a pretty simple drink. This has a couple more steps than what most of our cocktails on the show uh, have. Uh, but honey syrup, don't 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 turn it off and and uh, and write this one off yet. This one's pretty easy to make. So uh, all it requires is really making a simple syrup of your own. In any of these episodes, when we talk about simple syrup as an ingredient, you can make that at home. You can buy it, and it's very convenient. But really, it's just sugar and water. So uh, to make the honey syrup, uh, all I did is and. And this is uh, making plenty, way more than I needed for the drink. But uh, I took a half a cup of honey, raw honey, uh, a half a cup of water, and I boiled those together, stirred it up until it was a nice consistency, uh, poured it out into an airtight container, put it in the refrigerator for uh, a few hours. Uh, And there you have your honey syrup. So the consistency stays really well for a week or so. uh, So you can go back. If you like this drink, you can make some more of them. Like any simple syrup, pretty easy to make. Uh, We're just adding another step, boiling the the honey with the water. So um, if you want to make a regular simple syrup at home, all you need to do is equal parts uh, sugar, 
granulated sugar, and water. Boil it. There you've got your simple syrup. Now, we could go down a really fun road uh, and get into different types of syrups. Uh, I've seen for a lot, especially holiday cocktails, there's like cranberry syrups and raspberry syrups and things like that. I haven't totally ventured out into that uh, realm. Uh, One that I I have tried is a mint syrup, which is really good and actually makes for a really quick um, mint julep. If you like uh, mint julep or even mojitos, uh, drinks that call for mint, maybe you don't have mint on hand. It's nice to have some of the uh, mint syrup ready to go. All that being said, moving on to the drink, let's see how it tastes. So I'm going to move in for a drink here, and I'm going to air cheers no one. Hmm. You know what? This is not bad. Uh, Three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice, that scares me a little bit. I'm not really big on lemon juice in cocktails for the most part. Uh, Not a big whiskey sour fan. The lemony sour drinks, I'm not usually real keen on, but this is pretty good. The honey syrup actually really balances that out quite a bit. Um, I'm going to take another sip because the gin is not really uh, sticking out a whole heck of a lot. Yeah, this is a pretty good one for a really hot day, uh, which it is here in Ohio right now. I think the high today is 95 degrees. So yeah, a pretty good one for sitting out on the porch and enjoying a nice warm day. I could tell you that these will probably go down pretty quick, so be careful. But yeah, the bee's knees. Is it the bee's knees? I think it's all right. Uh, I wouldn't go as far as saying it's the bee's knees. It's not the cat's pajamas, but it's a pretty good drink, actually, and pretty simple to make. And I think that the honey syrup actually really makes it it makes it more interesting. You know, if you were to do this with just regular simple syrup, uh, I don't think I would be game for that really, but this is not bad at all. The honey adds a nice little, nice little extra sweetness to it and balances out the lemon juice pretty well. So pretty good. Not bad in general. Yeah, I could see making a few more of those. So I've got some honey syrup to use up. I'll probably make a few more. All right. So getting into the finance topic today of keeping up with the Joneses, This is a fun one, and we've talked about actually doing this one quite a few times and never gotten around to it, so I thought, um, you know, this might be a good one for me to rant on. Maybe this is just going to turn into what grinds my gears. I I don't know. I hope not. Um, But (laughs) keeping up with the Joneses, you know, let's start off with what that means. What do we mean when we say we're trying to keep up with the Joneses? Well, you know, the Joneses uh, are not necessarily the, the guy named Jones across the street, his family. Um, but it's just kind of keeping up uh, with what we think is successful uh, in America. What we think, you know, the, the family that's got it all together, that's doing things right, they're successful, they're, um, you know, they're making money, they're, they've got it all put together, right? So the Joneses, um, love them, hate them, keeping up with them, I don't know. What does it mean? Uh, really, I think it's trying to keep up appearances of success and, um, you know, without saying superficially, kind of, it's kind of an outward appearance, really. So why do we do it? I think it's, you know, when we talk about keeping up with the Jones and the Joneses and why we do that, really, a lot of it comes down to, well, superficial things. So at, at our base level, we want to be liked by individuals. We want to be accepted by individuals. Uh, and we do this in a lot of different ways. Uh, we want to share something in common with other folks, especially other folks who we uh, would consider to, consider to be um, successful. Uh, we all want to be liked and accepted, uh, so we want to keep up. We want to have nice things. We want to have the nice things and experiences that other people have. And uh, social media is a prime example of this. Uh, you know, if you spend any time on social media, you probably uh, realize that that's a good place for people to show off all the cool things that they get to do, all the cool stuff that they have that you maybe don't have. Um, now, social media only shows one side of it. It's the appearances. So, 
you know, realistically, are those people happy because of the stuff that they have or the experiences that they're having or the food that they're eating? Well, you never really know. Uh, Social media is pretty shallow. Not that we don't use it. We all use it. You may have found our show because of social media. So in that case, uh, you know, it, it can be a good tool. But Social media is a prime example of people trying to keep up with the Joneses and keep up appearances. If we can keep up, we feel like we're succeeding. These are kind of some of the root causes, some of the reasons that we try to keep up with the Joneses or we try to keep up appearances. Uh, If we feel like we can keep up with everybody, we're doing something right. You see other people doing things like buying new cars, taking fancy vacations, eating at all the best restaurants. Um, you start to wonder if you're not enjoying some of those things, if if you're doing something wrong and and other things that spark that too. You know, I think about advertising and the ease of online shopping and things like that. You know, everything that we want is at our fingertips with free two day shipping. Um, I I think two day shipping is back. It wasn't there (laughs) during the pandemic. You know, it's very easy to get a hold of things that we feel like we want right now. Uh, one of the the reasons I think that we really end up getting caught in this trap, and, and it can be a trap. Well, I guess I'll get into that a little bit later, the trap, how we end up uh, in the trap, and, and really how to combat it. So uh, I'll, I'll get into that in a minute. But uh, let's talk about who the Joneses are exactly. Who is it that we're trying to keep up with exactly? Uh, well, generally, it's not a, a certain person. It's an, it's an appearance, you know, or it might be that celebrity or, or um, you know, that role model that we, we want to be like. Um, but generally, it's a concept. Okay. So let, let's talk about the average American. Okay. And we're going to talk about their average income, the, the average net worth, the average debt. And then we're going to really look and see, is it worth keeping up with the Joneses? Who are the Joneses anyway? And at the end of the day, are the Joneses broke? Uh, do we really want to be in that situation to keep up appearances? Uh, it can it can come at a high price just to uh, maintain an image. Uh, getting into average income, and, and I cited a couple sources. Uh, I like stats, and I'm the only one on this podcast today, so darn it, we're going to do stats. So average income, uh, I kind of broke this up in different age groups, and uh, this is uh, from smartasset.com, average income by age. From age 25 to 34, uh, by the way, before 25, it it varies quite a bit. But let's say you've graduated from school, you've settled into your first big kid job. Uh, Between the ages of 25 and 34 in the United States, the average income per individual is $49,920. Okay. At 35 to 44 years old, it jumps up pretty dramatically to $58,604 per year. Now, after this, it doesn't really seem to go up a whole heck of a lot, and then we start to go the other way a little bit. So between the ages of 45 and 54, the average salary is $59,904. From 55 to 64, it's $59,940. And when we get into the 65 and up crowd, it, it actually tends to drop off uh, with an average salary of $52,416. Okay. So I also looked at some uh, income numbers for my city that I live in, the state that I live in, uh, and then uh, looking at average household incomes, um, you know, for for the United States and then in our area. So I live in Defiance, Ohio. That's where Blue Jay Financial Group is located. Uh, So looking at my community where I live, um, the average household income. So remember, this is not the uh, the average earner. This is the average household income, $62,110. Okay. And in the state of Ohio, it's $58,116. And in the United States of America, $67,521. Okay. So I look at our little small town here in in, uh, Defiance, Ohio, and we're a little bit below the national average, a little bit above our state average. 
uh, kind of surprised. And actually, I looked at these numbers five or six years ago, and and uh, it was quite a bit different. So uh, I believe that uh, we were as as a community around forty five to fifty thousand dollars. So we've we've bumped that up dramatically uh, in a short amount of time. So that's good. But I think when we look at these numbers, average income by age, household incomes, and things of that nature. Um, none of these are outrageous. Uh, and, and I don't think, you know, the average U.S. household at $67,521, that is not a wealthy household. That's not, if you look at the average car in the driveway, the average house and mortgage payments and things like that, uh, I'm not sure in my head that I can justify, um, you know, what the average house and driveway and what's in it and garage and the toys and the things that go along with it. I'm not sure that $67,521 justifies that. You know, we're going to look at some of these other numbers too. And, you know, income is one thing, but we can talk about savings and net worth. Looking at net worth, that one is really pretty eye-opening. Under 35 years old, net worth, the average net worth. So we're, we're looking at uh, your assets and we're looking at your debts, subtracting those out. Uh, what are we left with? Under 35 years old, the average uh, net worth is $14,000, okay? Uh, jumps up quite a bit from 35 to 44, if you think about it. Maybe you've gotten uh, some student loans paid off. Uh, maybe you've got, uh, you know, had a couple promotions in there and you're starting to put money into your 401k. Uh, 35 to 44, the average net worth is $91,110. From ages 45 to 54, uh, jumps up to $168,800, Ages 55 to 64, $213,150. Ages 65 to 74, $266,070. And ages 75 and up, $254,900. Okay, again, so looking at average net worth, uh, and when we lump all these age groups together, obviously, um, you know, we have more baby boomers uh, than, than any other uh, segment uh, when we look at these generations. As far as the breakdown goes, the average U.S. household net worth is $122,000. Interestingly enough, with all the money that's been injected into the system here over the last couple of years, with economic growth, with wage growth, all those things combined, um, that number is actually down from a recent high. And I say recent, you know, because we haven't tracked these numbers forever. Uh, but the previous high was in the year 2007 before a financial crash, uh, before we had the uh, uh, the Great Recession, if you will. In 2007, the average household net worth in the United States was $150,000. So we're down quite a bit from that, $122,000. Uh, so there's some interesting food for thought. Now, uh, is the average house cheaper? No. Is the average car cheaper? Heck no. Um, all of the toys and the things that we fill our homes with, are they cheaper? No, absolutely not. So yeah, it would make sense that our average net worth is down. You know, Are, are people financing more? Are they spending more? Uh, I think you could probably make the case that both of those things are true. Uh, when we look at average household savings, the average savings account, um, you know, per family uh, is about $4,500. Okay. So that's not a great number. That's not a huge safety net for most folks that wouldn't even qualify for uh, a funded, well-funded emergency fund. Uh, in most cases, if you look at three to six months of income or three to six months of expenses, any way that you want to slice that, $4,500 is probably not going to cut it in the case of an emergency. And in fact, 56% of households in the United States couldn't handle a $1,000 emergency uh, without dipping into um, you know, a 401k or without using a credit card or some form uh, of, of a loan. So 
I'm just really looking at, okay, who, who are these Joneses anyway, right? What does their overall financial situation look like? Um, you know, while we can say in some pockets that income is up, uh, household net worth is a little bit lower than it had been. Uh, savings, um, you know, we've talked for the last few years with the injection of cash and, you know, what we quote unquote learned or didn't learn from uh, recent financial crises. Uh, you know, for a time, personal savings was up. Well, it's coming back down. So let, let's get into debt a little bit. I took this from a, a website that I'm not super familiar with, uh, but they had some pretty interesting uh, stuff in here regarding uh, a recent study from Experion, a credit bureau, uh, Aportun.com or Opportun.com. I'm not sure. O-P-O-R-T-U-N.com. They cited a 2020 uh, Experian study, and I would say that they know a little bit about average household debt because they're one of the uh, credit bureaus that, that looks at this stuff. They have all the information at their fingertips. According to Experian, the average debt in the United States, the average debt is $92,727. Okay, so that would be mortgage. It would be auto loans, personal loans, credit cards, all of the above. Okay, when you think about the price of a house, what a house costs, and you say, well, the average debt is you know $92,000, maybe that doesn't sound as bad as it could be. Uh, now, I'll give you that. But 44% of, of folks actually have mortgages with an average balance of $208,000. So if 44% uh, have, have mortgages, and we're talking about big debt, right, uh, then that $92,000 is, you know, that, that's still held up by a lot of consumer debt. So where is that at? Credit cards. Um, and the average credit card debt has actually come down quite a bit, quite a bit over the last few years, which is a good thing. But the average American is still holding on to four credit cards with an average card debt of five thousand three hundred and fifteen dollars. Okay, uh, so at one point that was fourteen thousand dollars, roughly. Um, that's come down some, but still, the average American is still holding credit card debt. About sixty percent of Americans have auto loans with an average balance of about twenty thousand dollars. Okay, so. Uh, if you've gone car shopping lately, whether it's used or new, you know you're probably not going to buy a whole heck of a lot for $20,000. Uh, so I would imagine that those numbers, those averages are going to be pulled up uh, actually quite a bit if you've financed a car um, you know, over the last couple of years. Um, 22% of Americans have personal or unsecured loans. So you know, these are your um, personal lines of credit, things like that that are not tied to anything with collateral like a mortgage. Uh, or a car, uh, and this is excluding credit cards. So the average balance for a personal loan is $16,458. Uh, this next number was kind of shocking. I would have thought it would be higher, but 14% of United States citizens have student loan debt, and the average balance is right around where I thought it would be, 38792 um, So remember, this encompasses a, a pretty big group of folks, people who are just graduating and also people who are getting close to paying things off. So 14% of Americans with student loans, average balance of, of $38,792. Um, you know, th these are the Joneses, folks. So debt by generations. I like to look at the generations a little bit too and, and uh, look at, uh, you know, where my generation falls. I fall into the millennials category, even though I don't technically, you know, or, or typically claim to be in that category. I know there's, a, uh, you know, a stigma that's attached to that, fair or unfair, but Looking at Gen Z, so this is the 18 to 23-year-olds, um, average debt is $16,000. Millennials, so from ages 24 to 39, the average debt is 87448 Yay, millennials pulling down the average. 
Uh, Generation X, so ages 40 to 55, average debt of $140,643. Now the baby boomers, ages 56 to 74, average debt of $97,290. And then the silent generation, as they call them, uh, 75 years and older, uh, with an average debt of $41,281. Now the average 75-year-old is retired, so if that tells you anything, people are retiring with debt and maintaining debt. Uh, through retirement, which if you've listened to this show in the past, you know that that's something that we're not typically a big fan of. So these are the Joneses, folks. Uh, This is what we're all trying to aspire to be, the average American or above. We just want to keep up, right? Well, I can tell you that personally, um, you know, I hear some of these numbers. I, I look at the income. I look at the net worth numbers, and I think, you know, even driving around in my little town here, I go, how in the world is it that people afford things like they do? How can you afford three new cars in the driveway? I know where you work. I have an idea of how much money you make. Uh, you know, did you inherit some money? Uh, is this generational wealth? Uh, the answer is a lot of times it's, it's uh, financed, right? And that comes at a cost. So how do we end up in these situations where we're trying to be like the Joneses? We're trying to keep up with everybody else. We're trying to keep up images and appearances. And the next thing you know, uh, you know, you're in debt to your eyeballs. Uh, now you have uh, marital problems because debt is one of the things that uh, that married couples fight over the most. Uh, you know, it breaks up families. Uh, so how do we end up here? Well, we have a culture of instant gratification, and you know, going back to things like social media and advertising, uh, we're told we need these things and we need them now. And because we can get anything with two-day shipping, well, we, we can get it right now with our credit card. So it's easier to rack up debt. It's easier to spend money than it ever has before. And no matter where you go, you can't get away from it. You, you open up your phone to look at a text and there's an advertisement. You know, there's, there's always something there telling you, you need this. If you want to keep up, you need this. So uh, I think instant gratification, uh, you know, especially with, uh, you know, some of the younger generations, um, I, this is not the, Hey kids get off my lawn episode where I'm just going to, you know, gripe about everything that I don't agree with. Um, but you know, the idea of working for something, uh, and delaying gratification, it, it's just an odd philosophy for, uh, some of the young, younger generations. Why would you wait? Why would you deprive yourself when you can have something now? So instant gratification is a big reason. Uh, then there's another one that's a little bit more gradual, and I call this, uh, I don't call it because I didn't, I didn't term this, so I can't take credit, but lifestyle creep. Uh, as you get older, as you make a little bit more money, uh, you tend to spend a little bit more money, right? And uh, when you're starting out, if you're doing things responsibly, you're probably pinching pennies, you're budgeting like crazy, uh, you're probably uh, keeping a much closer eye on your finances, Uh, And then you get a little bit of breathing room. You know, most of us can remember living paycheck to paycheck and it's not fun. And when you get past that point where maybe you're not living paycheck to paycheck anymore, maybe it's month to month or maybe it's year to year, you start to loosen the belt a little bit. And quite honestly, uh, you you know, you you feel like you've worked for it. You've earned it. You don't want to have to think about every penny that you're spending. Uh, But it's very, very easy, you know, to fall victim to the lifestyle creep. Uh, So, you know, when you get raises and things like that, um, you're you're adjusting to a new lifestyle, and that becomes the new anchor. So you establish a new lifestyle, and that becomes the baseline, and that's what you expect. Uh, you know, for folks who have job changes or or uh, you know forced job changes like layoffs and things like that, it can be really difficult to adjust the other way. But it's pretty easy to adjust up uh, when you've gotten raises over the years and you're in a better better financial con- uh, condition. So. 
Uh, wrapping it up, how do we combat these things? How do we combat the mindset of keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up the images? How do we uh, get away from the lifestyle creep uh, and the instant gratification? Well, I don't have anything that's groundbreaking today. And if you've ever listened to this podcast, you probably realize we never say anything groundbreaking. Uh, most of the time, it's the answers that we already know, and, and it you know involves a lot of discipline. But budgeting is huge. So we always go back to budgeting and budgeting in general. Uh, you know, this is for people who don't have a lot of money that are trying to make ends meet from a week to week basis. This is for people who are not worried about money, uh, don't need to be worried about money. Budgeting is something that you do at every step of the way. Millionaires budget. Everybody uh, that I think everybody that has been a success financially has probably budgeted start to finish. Um, now, I understand there's, there's uh, you know, folks who maybe catch on a little bit later and they start implementing. But um, yeah, budgeting is a habit that doesn't go away. Uh, so there's a way to get away from the lifestyle crease, uh, creep. So raises. Raises are something that if you do a good job, hopefully you'll have a lot of raises to deal with along the way. Uh, in my opinion, assigning these raises uh, is really, really important. So uh, giving that extra money a, a, a name rather than setting it in the checking account and spending it, you know, going out to eat a couple extra times a week. You know, you got to think about things like, OK, am I going to increase my retirement uh, savings? Am I going to increase my kids college savings? Am I going to pay down debt quicker with this raise? The idea is learning to live within your means. And when you get raises, you don't really change your lifestyle until you're in a position where you you can when you don't have debt and when you've uh, gotten through a lot of these steps. Um, you know, people like Dave Ramsey have done a, a really great job in educating people with basic common sense stuff. You know, he would say the same thing. Make sure that every dollar has a name and has a purpose, because when you don't, that's when you fall victim to the lifestyle creep. That's when uh, spending on vacations gets out of control. And maybe the next car that you buy is a little over budget and you get used to a new lifestyle. And the next thing you know, life throws you a curveball. You can't handle a thousand dollar emergency. And where do you go? So speaking of Dave Ramsey, uh, this is one of the things that I kind of take away from his teaching. While I don't always agree with everything that he says, most of it is just darn good common sense. Um, you know, one of the ways that you can combat keeping up with the Joneses is just not caring about what people think. Be weird and lean into that. <laughs> people notice uh, when you're successful and you're not uh you're not buying a lake house and a boat and this and that and the other thing every every time you you get a raise people people notice that and they're they're going to ask you why um it's weird it seems odd it's not it's not the standard here in the united states but i'm going to tell you if you want to hit your goals be weird and lean into it and prioritize those goals over things because things are not going to bring you happiness and uh, ultimately, I've always been able to be really flexible and, and people that I know as well that have been uh, you know, successful in their careers are people who pursue what they want to do uh, and things that they're passionate about. And they've been able to do that because they've prioritized their financial flexibility over things. All right. Well, that was a lot of talking for just little old me. So hopefully you enjoyed the episode. And if you didn't, why are you still listening? Turn it off and we'll see you next week. Um, but thanks for having a drink with me this week, folks. It is time to close out that tab. If you have a question or a topic you want addressed on the Old Fashioned Finance Podcast, be sure to email us at podcast at bluejfg.com. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to share the show with someone you love or just someone who needs a little money muddling themselves. 
You can stay up to date with the latest action by following us on Facebook. Old Fashioned Finance is brought to you by Blue Jay Financial Group. That's bluejfg.com and produced by Pottery Studios. I've been your host, Caleb Frankert. Cheers. Blue Jay Financial Group, LLC. Blue Jay is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of Ohio. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The presence of this advertisement on this podcast shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to a consumer in a particular state by Blue Jay and the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant an applicable state exemption. All verbal and written consent on this presentation is for information purposes only. Opinions expressed herein are solely those of Blue Jay unless otherwise otherwise specifically cited. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources, and no representations are made by our firm as to other parties' informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation.